this room. Luke chapter 16, verse number 19 is where we will read. Luke 16 and 19. I'm waiting to see where I'm gonna read from. There it is, I can read back there, very good. A passage of scripture that we don't even allude to much anymore because it's got a bad word in it. It's got a word that most pulpits have forgotten. Most saints have forgotten. Most churches don't hear much about it. The word hail is in this text. And by the way, it's still there. It's still there. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores. Let's start over again for a point of emphasis. Let me do this again. Let's start over just for a point of emphasis. There was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Everybody say comfortable. Say comfortable. All right, now we'll continue. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus which was laid at his gate full of sores, continue, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Everybody say miserable. That's miserable. Continue, please. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Notice the comparison of their departure. The poor man died, the beggar died, and he was carried by angels. The rich man died, and the Bible said, and he was buried. And in hell he lift up his eyes, the rich man, being in torments and seeth Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger into water. Cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and thou art tormented. I was recently just reading the scriptures and this thought leaped into my heart that I want to share with you today. By the way of remembrance, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6, if you'll put the brethren in remembrance, you'll be a good minister. You'll be a good minister. I'm not gonna reveal anything this morning. I'm simply gonna to try to remind you of something that I think is very important and that is simply this. It is better to be miserable and saved than to be comfortable and lost. It is better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and lost. Now I'm referencing, everybody say flesh. I'm not talking about your soul. If you're saved, you're in the comforts of the Holy Ghost but we don't always fully live in the power of the Spirit. We're tabernacled in flesh. 
So I want to emphasize today that it's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and lost. Would you lift your hands and thank God for salvation in your life this morning? Father, we praise you today for your mercy, your grace, and your greatness. We thank you for your love and your blessing to us and your kindness to us. We exalt you this morning, Lord. Let the minority that's in this room that I will preach to today find strength, comfort, assurance, and encouragement by the power of the word of the Lord. And before you sit down, lift your hands and say, Lord, there may be one or two here today that desperately need this word. Help me to bear the burden and let's help them this morning. God bless you. You may be seated. Clap your hands and give God praise right now. When we condense this context, we will discover it is one of great contrast between time and eternity. And I think all of us need a fresh revelation of the significance of the difference in time and eternity. It is better to realize as Christians, no matter what's going on in our lives, this is exciting. I've come to tell you this morning, ladies and gentlemen, you are as close to hell as you're ever gonna get. I would expect somebody to clap your hands and thank God for that. If you're a child of God, you're filled with the Holy Ghost, and you're living for God, right now you are as close to hell as you will ever get. And that is only in time. We're headed for a place of eternal bliss and blessing and glory. Too much of Pentecost in Christianity today is centered around Monday morning. Thank God for what we get in church on Sunday that helps us on Monday. But what we're getting here today is gonna live on through the ages of time and eternity and that is our salvation. So we wanna look at our takeaway from this great story in the Bible. What is the, the Lord wanting us to take away from this parable? It is a word picture of a man that at his death, angels would be dispatched to escort him into what is called Abraham's bosom. Now, I haven't even really taken the time yet, and I've, I need to. I need to study what the Bible means by Abraham's bosom. I don't know what Abraham's bosom is, but I got a good feeling it's where you want to be. I really don't know what it is, but I know what the alternatives are. And I know that that's gotta be a better place than the alternative. Here's a poor, insignificant man of poverty and pitifulness who at his death, angels come to take him to a blessed place. What a powerful person. Let us observe just a little closer this narrative as to who is the good guy and just who is the bad guy. Who is the one that's right and who is the one that's wrong? Who is the one that's saved, we might say? And who is the world, the one that is lost? In today's modern, now I'm gonna preach to you right here. In today's modern fairy tale type, Disney World and they lived happily ever after presentation of the gospel and Christianity, most people in today's religious world 
would erroneously conclude that the rich man represents today's believer, the saved man. And Lazarus, the poor beggar, would be the lost unbeliever. The rich man had everything. The Christian is improperly promised by psycho-cybernetics, positive thinking, grow rich preachers. Reading this text of erroneous thought is almost like hearing some well-known celebrated TV evangelist. Expensive clothes were on the rich man. Full bank accounts. Community, a gated community. Full refrigerators. Full garages with life's grandest and greatest toys. That's what we would figure to be the Christian, the same man. However, in reality, the Bible, in the Bible, it was the beggar that was the same man. Notice him now, lonely, homeless, no health insurance. The dogs are licking his sores. He's unhealthy. He's hungry. He's begging for the crumbs that fall from the master's table. However, in contradiction to modern day prosperity, rich, grow rich, and think positive doctrine, I'm rise to preach to you today. It was the poor beggar who was escorted by angels out of this world. We must not allow ourselves to be depressed, discouraged, or disdained because we don't match the recipe of the grow rich prosperity doctrine and think there's something wrong with God or there's something wrong with our walk with God or that we're not even saved. I'm gonna preach to you it's better to be miserable and be saved than it is to be comfortable and be lost. Contrary to what you may hear a lot of places, being miserable does not mean you're not saved. Being lonely doesn't mean you're not saved. Being afflicted doesn't mean you are not saved. Let's break it on down even more to help somebody. Being poor does not mean that you are not saved. This church that we're in today, I've been privileged as your pastor to travel the world and preach the gospel and I preach to abject poverty. But I want you to know when those people who are so poor they're barely clothed, who scratch out a crumb to stay alive, at their death, angels are gonna come and pick them up and escort them into a city where the Lamb is the light. Not having the huge home doesn't mean you're not saved. Not having the expensive car doesn't mean you're not saved. Now I'll preach a little more. Not having the perfect family does not mean you are not saved. Not having the fancy clothes does not mean that you are not saved. There are too many in the apostolic movement today that is leaving the church, leaving holiness. And when you ask them why, you know what their answer is? I am looking for happiness. I'm looking for happiness. I'm looking for satisfaction. But mind you, that is only fleshly gratification that we are talking about. Ladies and gentlemen, it's better to be in this church today and have all kind of problems and live in a world of turmoil and be a part of the apostolic church. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. Clap your hands to the Lord.
What I want to emphasize is just because you're saved does not guarantee you a life of exemption, a life of distinction, or even a life of elevation. You are not wrapped in bubble wrap and protected from the world when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Some would like to present a position that as soon as you get saved, all your problems are over. There's no more valleys, there's no more challenges. Hallelujah, there's no more situation. I wanna preach a little different here today and say this. You know why God gave you the Holy Ghost? Because he knew at the end of time there was gonna be misery, there was gonna be pain, there was gonna be sorrow, there was gonna be disappointment and of all the attributes of the baptism of the Holy Ghost which we don't preach as much as we ought to preach. The Holy Ghost, Jesus said, is not coming to just give you power, not just give you spiritual toys, not give you just spiritual trinkets but the real purpose of the Holy Ghost, he said, is to be a comforter more than anything you're going to need is a comforter you're going to need something to encourage you you're going to need something to comfort you somebody shout amen Amen. to be apostolic or Pentecostal does not guarantee healing every time for everyone 2 Timothy 4.20 Paul the great apostle said Trophimus, have I left at Miletus sick? Paul, you left this man sick with all of your spiritual power, with all of your giftings. There was a man that was left sick. I want you to understand that does not guarantee financial prosperity for everyone. Acts 3, 6. I know a lot of folks that need to read this verse today. The apostle Peter said, the premier preacher of the apostolic church. The gifted orator of Pentecost. The man that Jesus gave the keys to said, silver, And gold have I none. No mansion in the Bahamas. No private jets. No TV show. No celebrity status. Uh Uh-uh. He said, silver, gold have I none. We must never judge the success of ministry by possessions or by things. The the apostle said, silver and gold, have I none. Somebody needs to know, we don't need to get in the church just to have a bigger bank account. We don't need to come to Jesus just to drive a bigger car or get a larger house. We come to Jesus because our sins need to be remitted. Our sins need to be delivered from us and we need the hope and the trust of a better place called heaven. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 12, Acts chapter 12 shows us that James was killed by the sword. 
and he was imprisoned. It does not guarantee deliverance every time. As a matter of fact, Paul didn't get ahead by coming to Christ. He lost his head. I'm trying to balance the equation this morning that there's some folks sitting here depressed, discouraged, and downcast because you're not the star testimony of the church. Because you're not the hero and the trophy of God's grace as far as yourself, fleshly advancements are concerned. But you don't need to shout about that. You need to shout about the fact that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. It's easy to shout over what we got but we need to shout over what he has given us. That's what Jesus meant when he said, don't shout because the demons are subject to you, but rather he said, shout because your names rejoice, because your names are written down. What he was saying is, don't rejoice over what you've done for me, rejoice over what I've done for you. I have written your name down in the Lamb's book of life. I'm trying to get somebody to be encouraged this morning to come up out of those pews today and say, I may be poor, but I'm saved. I may be lonely, but I'm saved. I may have marital problems, but I'm saved. I may have children that are rebellious, but I'm saved. And it's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. A very unique verse of scripture in Psalm 73, one and two sets the stage for my message today very clearly. This is what the writer said. Truly, without doubt, without question, without controversy, God is good to Israel. even to such as are of a clean heart. But verse two says, but as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had all well nigh slipped. You know what he's saying? The rule is God is good. But I seem to be the exception to the rule. God is good, but as for me, my steps well nigh slipped. And then he went on to moan and to groan and to whine in the rest of that chapter, a sorrowful, woeful tale of how things were not good in his life. He said, I know God's good. Everybody say, I know God's good. But every once in a while, you're gonna feel like the exception to that rule. And a lot of times you're gonna say God is good when you're struggling, when you're in battle, when you're in conflict. Now, I wasn't planning on preaching this this morning, but let me just throw this in in passing. If you could pick up the last verse of the, of the chapter before 73, if you could pick up the last verse in 72, I wanna tell you why some people get in that shape. Now, I'll just drop this and move on. Psalm 72 in the last verse of Psalm 72. If you could pull that up. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And the next chapter starts, God's good to everybody but to me. And then he started talking about how much better it was to be a sinner than to be saved. 
He started talking about how the sinners don't suffer like I suffer. They got all these blessings and I'm trying to live for God and I don't have that. You know what, that's what happens when you stop praying. That's the way you start talking when you are not praying adequately. If you're struggling, if you're lonely, if you're discouraged, if you're in despair, if you've got a broken heart, if you've got rebellious kids, I remind you, you're still saved. If you just lost your job, you're saved. If you can't hardly pay your rent, you're saved. But this is what you need to do. You need to pray. You need to pray and keep your spirit filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I seem to be the exception to the rule until we come to Psalm 73 and verse 28. But it was good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord that I may declare all his works. And he said later on in one of those verses there, he said, until I saw their end when I saw the end of all of those that seemed to be getting ahead of me when I saw the end of those that seemed to have things I can't have when I saw the end of all of those that seemed to be living in dimensions and I'm trying to serve God and I don't have but he said when I saw their end then understood I that this is the right thing to do. We are too consumed with our present. We keep our faces in our moments when we need to be people of eternity and realize it ain't always gonna be for me like it is right now. It ain't always gonna be like it is right now. Someday the angels are gonna come and they're gonna escort you out of this world. There'll be a trumpet to sound and you're gonna rise. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. What we need is the resolution of the three Hebrew boys. Our God is able, but if not, don't ever serve God ultimatums. Nobody has a right to give God an ultimatum. I'm gonna live for you, but if you don't do this, if you don't do that, you have no right to serve God an ultimatum. You need to be like the Hebrew boys and say, but if not, we know our God is able. Somebody shout, I know he can do it. I know he can do it, but this is where the victory's at. But if he doesn't, it's not gonna change one thing in my life. It's not gonna change my prayer. It's not gonna change my faithfulness. It's not gonna change my commitment. It's not gonna change my love because I know he can, but if he doesn't. I'm talking about when our prayers seem to be not heard. When what I thought would be a bless, would be blessed turns into a mess. When what you thought you would be kept from, you now have to live through. When life is just factually unfair. Everybody say life is just unfair. Even then, it's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. It is better to have problems, poverty, and personal problems and be saved than to have comforts, conveniences, and cash and be lost. It is better to cry at the altar alone and be saved than to dance with the multitudes at the bar. You see, I pastor people and have pastored them for years 
who most of the congregation didn't know much about the other person's personal life. I pastored people who lived on the very basics of life. Their income was the very lowest you could be paid. It was the bottom of the line. And every day that they did without, they knew that by dark tomorrow night, their pockets could be filled with cash. But the method of obtaining that was criminal and sinful. All they had, see, I've got, I've got drug dealers that are in our church that are born again and reformed and set free. But don't ever think about it, that every day that they live in a little trailer house with somebody else because they can't get a job because they've been to prison and they can't, they can't have any finances because all they knew to do was sell drugs and now they're in the church and they're financially embarrassed, they're impoverished and every day the devil says, tomorrow night you could be rich. By the time the sun goes down three days from now, you could have a pocket full of money. But I salute those in the church who say, although I know I could be rich, although I know I could have cash, although I know I could change my financial status, it's not right, it's criminal, and it's sinful. Therefore, I'd rather be miserable and be saved as to be comfortable and be lost. I'm talking about your flesh. Everybody say the flesh. It is better to struggle in resistance than submit to sin. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. My wife's mother is one that was one of the greatest saints that I personally have ever met amazing, wonderful saint of God. And this story so relates to her because she washed other people's clothes to buy food for her kids. Or she would, or she would be a waitress at a, a restaurant to feed her boys because her husband had backslidden, left the family destitute. This little mama dug out a living for that family Whatever she had to do to feed her children, she did it. One of the most moving stories I ever heard her tell, or someone told it of her, I'm not sure I heard it out of her mouth, was the fact that when she was a waitress in a restaurant, when people would get up to leave, if they left a steak on the table or half of a piece of meat, she would take a knife and carve off the part where they were eating and put the rest in a bag and take it home to give meat to her boys because she was striving to serve God and raise her family right. After years of that poverty, after years of that humiliation, a man of means came by and fell in love with her and wanted to marry her. A man who had money, who would take care of her, but he was not saved. He was not apostolic. He was not Holy Ghost filled. She had to make a choice she could have easily given herself to fleshly convenience, fleshly satisfaction, fleshly elevation in life to have things she could never have on her own. But she chose to say no to that. She said, I'd rather be miserable and be saved as to be comfortable and be lost. 
I want somebody to understand you don't need to be deceived by the doctrines of, of, of mercenary prophets today that your life is not worth living because you're not a star of prosperity or riches or that your family's not gonna be paraded as America's greatest family or you're not gonna be shown to be the person of entrepreneurial skill that you financially advanced in this world and had great elevation because you came to the Lord. I'm trying to preach to somebody today who's miserable. But it's better to be miserable and be saved than it is to be comfortable and be lost. I want you to bow your heads right now. I want the spirit to single out whoever they are, wherever they are. In the strong 99, would you pray with me right now for that one or two? For that young lady that a sinful man is making his play for right now who promises her all kind of stuff, but that promise does not include salvation. That promise does not include the church. That promise does not include a life of holiness. For that person's being offered all these things, but those things will separate you from the Lord. And yes, you might be happier. And yes, you might be more comfortable. But I remind you this morning, it is better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. Would you lift your hands and let's pray for that one or two or three that's in this room right now that the good shepherd has come to find, the good shepherd has come to love, the great physician has come to heal. It may not be the majority, it certainly is not the whole, but those that are in the minority, the exception to the rule. But as for me, but as for me, truly God is good to Israel. But as for me, I want Sister Huntley to sing right now. One of the greatest verses of encouragement about heaven is simply this. David said, but as for me, I shall be satisfied when I awake in his likeness. I don't know all that heaven is gonna hold. I don't know all the beauties of it. I don't all know all about the magnificence of it. All I need to know about it is, David said, I'll be satisfied. In other words, no one's gonna be saved and disappointed. No one's gonna make it to heaven and complain. No one is gonna say, well, I thought, it was, I thought it was this, I thought it was that. No, David said, when I awake in his likeness, I'll be satisfied. And you need to realize this morning, there's nothing in this world that can satisfy you. It may appease the flesh. It may gratify the flesh. It may make the flesh comfortable. But heaven is where we really will find our satisfaction. I want you to know it's going to be worth it all. We don't sing about that much anymore, but it's going to be worth it all. No matter how deep the valley is, you have to walk. No matter how high the mountain is, you have to climb. No matter how dark the night is that you have to live in, you'll be satisfied when you awake in His likeness. 
Let us all stand right now. Lift your hands and let's pray together. As I said earlier, it's only one or two, two or three. And you may not even know what's going on in their minds. You may not even recognize what's happening in their hearts. But they're questioning. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't understand why I don't have that. Other people have it. I don't have it. Other people do this and I don't have that. Other people have happy homes. And I live in misery. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. Reach over and lay your hand on somebody beside you. Let's pray right now for just a moment. We're reaching for that one or two that the enemy is warring in their minds because they don't have greatness, because they don't have riches, because they don't have what others have. They feel like there's no use in me serving God. Oh yes, there is. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. Let's everybody pray together right now. Lord, we ask you to send the Holy Ghost. We ask you to strengthen the weak. We ask you to encourage those that are struggling this morning. We pray for those that are battling today, those that are in conflict, those that are in contradiction, those that are in loneliness and frustration and fear. We pray for them today that the Holy Spirit will empower them. Why don't some of you step to the front right now? Bring somebody with you you know that's in the battle. Bring somebody with you who knows in the struggle. You know who they are in this room this morning. You know who they are in this building right now. They're in the conflict. They're in the contradiction. They're in the battle. Spiritually, visually, they are impaired. They're not seeing real clear right now. They're not seeing real straight right now. The adversary's trying to discourage them to bring them into despair, to make them give up, go out, surrender. When I want you to understand, it's better to be miserable and be saved than it is to be comfortable and be lost. If you know this course, church, lift it up with us right now. It's an old one. It will be worth it all. will be worth it all if you have to walk by yourself if you have to walk in affliction if you have to walk in poverty if you have to walk in rejection if you have to walk in loneliness it's better it's better it's better to be miserable and be saved to be comfortable and be lost. Reach over, lay your hand on somebody's shoulder right now. Pray for them. It's a moment of decision. It's a moment of destiny. It's a moment of determination. Oh God, I'm going to resolve today 
I'm going to renew today. I'm going to recommit this morning that it's better to be miserable and be saved than it is to be comfortable and be lost. Let the Lord lead you this morning. Reach over and pray for somebody right now near you. I know in this room there are folks that are struggling. Mentally they're struggling. In their attitudes they're struggling because it doesn't seem to be working out for them. It doesn't seem to be coming to them. It doesn't seem to be getting any better for them. You gotta hear me today. It's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. Lift your voice loud, church, and let's pray for everyone in this room right now. God, I pray for every person on the sound of my voice. They're struggling this morning. The enemy is lying to them. Their own flesh is lying to them. I'm asking you today to strengthen them. I'm asking you today to encourage them. I'm asking you today to empower them. Cause them to leave this place this morning. And on every turn of the road, say to the devil, it's better to be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost. I feel the Spirit ministering right now. That's it. Throw your hands up and praise Him for salvation right now. Throw your hands up and bless Him right now that He brought you out of a world of sin. Saved at its worst is better than lost at its best. Don't ever let me forget that. Don't ever let the devil deceive you. It will not be better outside the church. It will not be better if you quit church. It will not be better if you leave God. It never is. It never will be. Throw your hands up right now and tell the Lord, I'd rather be miserable and be saved than to be comfortable and be lost.